everyone, welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. And thinking about uh, last Thursday, which is when we recorded this interview, it literally gives me the warm and fuzzies. We had such a magical day. We really did. So you might remember from last week that we told you we were having a breakfast and that breakfast was to announce the first recipient of the two grant. Now, this is a grant that we have started through Tubes and How to Live. We give a female entrepreneur $5,000 for her business um, and also a, co- a couple of other awesome prizes like a couple thousand dollars in legal fees from Melbourne's based startup Studio Luna and also a mentorship from us. Whee! So we are very excited to announce that the recipient of the first two grant is Shanya Supersiratad and her incredible startup Koklo. You have to go check it out. We are Koklo.com spelt C-O-C-L-O. And basically it's a wardrobe sharing app where they curate capsule collections and you can borrow these different capsule collections. They're awesomely styled and put together. There are actually some tubes in there and really go check it out, sign up. We are so excited to be working with Shania on this. Mm, And it's fun to be a part of something new and exciting. So to announce the recipient of our grant, we threw this breakfast at the amazing pink restaurant. If you haven't seen it, it's literally exactly that. It's a pink restaurant and it is so Instagrammable and so cool. And we just brought together a bunch of kick-ass women that we knew in the community in Melbourne who were all doing super cool things and inspire us every day. And essentially, it was just a morning to celebrate exactly that, who they are and what they are doing. And it was pretty cool. I mean, we had vegan croissants by weirdos. We had put together this whole concept of a brain bar. So we had five stations where you could do fun things like mindful coloring um, and you got to write a little note to someone that you love and attach it to a flower to give them later. And basically it's our idea that rather than doing a beauty bar, we wanted to beautify their insides. And the other thing that was really special was when everyone sat down, Jess did a loving kindness meditation for everyone. And when we said we were going to do it, I saw everyone kind of look at us and be like, okay. Mm, They're like, no thanks. But by the end of the five minutes, everybody like people opened their eyes, there were tears And there was just like this stillness across the room and it was pretty powerful. And I think so many people came up at the end and were like, wow, that meditation was amazing. So you could really feel the love in the room. Mm, It was pretty magical. So we literally couldn't be more excited about today's guests. They are the incredible sister duo, Lucy and Rosie Thomas from Project Rocket. Um, And I was reading before about them on their website and they call themselves or someone calls them empowerpreneurs, which I just feel like perfectly sums up them and their energy just being around them, I automatically started to feel empowered. They have this incredible way of making you feel like you can do anything that you set your mind to and really that no problem in this world is too large to tackle. So they started Project Rocket together when they were first out of school. It is Australia's first ever youth design platform to tackle bullying and build social leadership. And essentially what Project Rocket does is They changed the lives of young people. They saw this need when they were at school themselves, Rosie and Lucy, for a program like this that really addressed bullying 
in a way that was going to really resonate with people. And they talk all about it. And we just know you are going to love this. We chatted to them about uh, a whole lot about doing business for good and social entrepreneurship. We also chatted about what led them to be the change makers that they are today and how they came to sit on the boards of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The story involves a chocolate fountain. It does, Mm. it does. This is a pretty incredible chat. I think I get emotional just talking about it. So enjoy this one. Here it is. I had the absolute pleasure of having dinner with you guys. Was that last week? It was. Whoa, that feels like forever ago. Yes. Um, which was absolutely magical. And like, I remember Rosie just sitting with you at dinner and like, I caught myself with the biggest smile on my face, just like being in your presence and listening to you talk. And I was just thinking, holy crap, I can't believe we're about to have these chicks on the podcast. It's going to be so, so epic. I'm pretty sure I ranted at you for half an hour. No, but it was, it was a magical rant and oh. I loved it. Well, it was one of those amazing spaces where you could go and as a bunch of women, I think, like have a vent about all the different things that are going on. They're just the challenges that you're facing and the roadblocks and no one necessarily needed to have solutions. It was just the place where you could go and just be like, you know what, that's not working for me either. Totally. (laughs) It was just a vent. It was really healthy. I left feeling lighter. Also, we've been talking about that lately because like we always say that like our family is big on like if you have a problem, how can we fix it? Mm. You know, and like sometimes it is nice to just be like, I just want to focus on the issue for a sec and just like allow myself to feel the feelings that I feel Mm. currently. Totally. So something that you said at the event to me, though, that really stuck with me was like we were chatting about like everything that you're doing. And, you know, when we were talking about Project Rocket, you were like, the reason that it was so cool that we got to start it when we were so young was because I was fresh out of high school and I just all of a sudden got to have all the conversations that I wanted to have when I was in high school. Mm. So what were your experiences like at high school? Mm. Well, I wouldn't. Um, like characterize school as easy for me I wouldn't characterize it as difficult either like I think I'm yeah looking back on my own school experience I definitely think I drew a pretty good ticket if you like at the beginning of school so um, for whatever reason I I did um, have a pretty positive school experience so I had fairly supportive friends um, definitely had my ups and downs and like I think it's really important for us all to connect with those times because we've all had them and definitely know what it's like to be bullied as well um you know to to be isolated and for people to turn against you and at that point when your whole world is your social setting essentially like your connections the cohesion that you feel at school to suddenly not have that um yeah is definitely an experience that I think really stays with you But I think for me at school and what really connected me to wanting to start something like Project Rocket was actually um, more identifying as the person, the majority of people in a bullying situation, if you like, you know, those who see it happen and can do something in the moment, um, could do something, could stand up. And sometimes I stood up and there were plenty of times that I didn't as well. Um, I guess my experience of school was really different to yours. And it it was one of definitely contradictions. Like I I loved school and I did pretty well at school. I did okay academically. And at the same time, um, really battled with my mental health throughout high school as so many young people do and felt completely isolated and held back by that. And also that it was a huge kind of weakness and shortcoming. I was definitely um, a bit of a floater across different social groups. I wouldn't say that I was severely bullied, but like everyone encountered what it's like 
like to be picked on for being yourself basically um and yeah it was also felt like i'm sure this is a relatable experience for many teens at different times i wondered if i actually was an alien and had been transplanted into the body of a 15 year old girl in growing up in melbourne because i was like Clearly, I'm a freak. Everyone can see it. She I'm, really do. I'm never going to connect with anyone. No one's ever going to love me or know who I am. You know, that kind of... Yeah, that wow. Kind of, that's so powerful. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, growing up really, really close to my sister, but I grew, grew up with like a really troubled relationship with my dad. And so understood the kind of conflicts of opposition in that in what we're dealing with in finding our way in the world. And I, I felt like I was a complete oddball, but finishing school realized that I looked around and was like, oh my gosh, everyone was feeling like a total alien freak weirdo. Totally, no one's saying it though. Yeah, (laughs) and if we were able to draw on those individual experiences in unity, but allowing diversity and difference to exist in those stories of like what it's like being young and growing up in school, then we would have like such a better approach to tackling an issue like bullying, which is basically built on targeting people because of their diversity. And I think for me, it was really about, um, you know, a, a... a hunger and a yearning for social justice and for fairness and just a belief that we can all do so much better and a belief that we should all be connecting with one another, um, which is at odds with the teenage experience at times because of the fragility that Luce was talking about there around like really getting mixed messages about being told to stand out but feeling like we needed to fit in. And so, yeah, I guess for me it was really more so around like wanting to really inspire my peers and help my peers connect to one another and um, create just a better place where people can really be comfortable and vulnerable and free to be themselves. Mm. So that's like such a big, I guess, topic for um, (laughs) anyone to tackle, let alone like someone who's young and, you know, like we're constantly hearing, you know, kind of like looking at younger people like, oh, they, they haven't had that much experience. Like they, they don't know, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, it's often we look to the older people to kind of lead the way, but you guys were just like, nah, right. Like we see this kind of injustice happening and we want to make that change. What was that like for you as young people? Yeah, I think, I mean, today we all know that the agreed best practice when it comes to working with young people is generally young people working with young people it's sort of that peer-to-peer approach but I don't think that was a a huge thing at all when we started out for us it obviously made so much sense I'm interested to hear because I think for you guys like you're just like yeah we went and did this you know and it's obviously just like you know in your nature to just go and do but that's pretty freaking cool that you were like a few years out of school and you recognize that there was this need to approach it in a different way and not just go in and like lecture the kids like you said like trick them into learning but you were only you know kids yourselves what kind of do you think led you to that or what in your lives made you think about things in a different way like that and really have that power to be able to inspire other people probably the core uniting driver for both of us would be our mum that um I'd say she's played a big role in why Project Rocket started, Mm -hmm. that growing up, um, she was not a helicopter parent. She was not an enabler (laughs) of like shitty behavior from your own kid. She didn't praise us too much. (laughs) She was um, a a tough, fierce, proud, single mum. And I know for both of us, we often reflect that when we came home from school and reported back on something terrible we'd seen or something that had upset us, her response wasn't one of commiseration. It was one of like, well, what did you do about it? Well, what are you gonna do about this? You know, she, she tolerated very little um in terms of you know our own inaction and so yeah i guess for us like it got to a point where accumulatively we'd had enough experiences of seeing things that weren't okay in the world and we'd grown up with a model of like citizenship that meant that 
you bloody do something when, when you disagree. And so that's why Project Rocket was started. That's yeah. awesome. Your mum sounds amazing. Yeah. She's, she's so the cool. best. So I feel like um, I'm going a bit off script here, but I feel like it would be inauthentic of me to have this conversation without actually addressing the fact that I was quite a bully when I was young. Um, not not so much when I was um, kind of like older, like 15, 16. It was more when I was kind of like probably like 10 to 12, I want to say. And I feel like, and I do feel like so much remorse. Like I'm even like a bit shaky even like talking about it right now. And I, I feel like completely sick even thinking about those things. But I guess I'm interested in like what does make someone act in that way? You know, like I do believe that like, I have a very good heart and I am a really good person, but like, why do people become bullies? And like, does it, does it like filter over to like adults as well? You know, cause there is a lot of like, we, we hear about like adult bullying in the workplace and things like that. Like, where does it stem from? Mm. First of all, thank you for so much for sharing that because I think, um, people often tend to, especially adults tend to look at the issue of bullying through the lens of, um, bully and victim. And I think um, the troubling, um, yeah, the troubling fact about that is that we all have the capability to to bully and to also be targeted against. And mm. I look back, I, I f- will freely admit there were times when I was at school where I was involved in bullying, like absolutely part of the problem. Laughed when people are, were upset, um, did position people covertly so that, you know, someone would be left out. Like I've definitely experienced that myself. And I think it's really important that we do acknowledge it because totally. it's really important as a young person too when we work with young people that we give them the freedom at a, po- at a point to wipe the slate clean and to be able to reinvent themselves and to be the person that they want to be remembered for. And especially when you are young and you're, you are sometimes a target of bullying, well then, you know, if it turns to someone else, you, you kind of want to get in on that and laugh at them too so that people mm-hmm. aren't laughing at you. Like I think that's a really common experience that most people have probably been involved in bullying in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And again, that's the perfect example of someone's motivation being trying to gain power, trying yeah. to have some degree of power or safety. Um, but for us, that's why as we're named, it's really, imp- it's been really important that rather than setting up this dichotomy of you're the bully or the victim, which leaves little room to change or to grow, um, we tr- tend to look at bullying as a behaviour that all of us are capable of and therefore all of us are capable of challenging, even if you're not the most confident person who can jump out and bust out a snappy, sassy comeback or, you know, to actually physically get someone out of a rough situation. You may be the kind of person who can empathetically support someone afterwards or challenge the negative messaging that they've received and provide an alternate message about themselves. Um, so, again, it, it's much more our approach has been one of looking at the complexities of human experience and understanding that at the core we all have the potential to harm others and we all have the potential to be kind and when we when we really empower people with that choice i'm really confident i believe that the vast majority of us do have a striving towards kindness and compassion um but unfortunately if you've been labeled as the bully then it's really difficult to create that change and if you've been labeled as the victim then it's difficult to see yourself as an empowered agent in the world as well Mm, and I I, I feel like all of these things you're saying are so fantastic like you know like reminding people like creating connections and compassion and I feel like you need to run workshops for adults like we have we (laughs) all need a little bit of this in our lives you know and like bullying is something that like people experience throughout their whole lives Um, and like it just sounds like in general you're just like creating well-balanced human beings which is awesome yeah so that's really interesting. I guess maybe we could shift focus a little bit um, and get back to you guys and the fabulous kind of business that you've created through this. 
Um, so you guys are sisters and you're in business together. So what's that been like for you? How is it being um, in business with a partner? It's something that we get asked about constantly and we often recommend it. Do you mm. guys also? Oh, I don't know. It's pretty terrible and I do hate it. <laughs> it's the best. Especially when you're you trying to sleep. You guys can't see my death stare. On my death stare <laughs> but, um, I would absolutely recommend it i absolutely love it it's oh it's the most important thing in my life because i get to work with my sister and i really really i say this all the time but i feel so fortunate to have been born into the most synergetic relationship i think i will ever experience my whole life um and it's only enriched our um sister relationship we're so unbelievably close and i think um working together um at times when we're living together um you know, being absolute best friends and the biggest support in each other's lives, the biggest cheerleader, um, opportunity maker, whatever you call it, does come with a, a level of responsibility to really nurture that, respect it, um, and to really have boundaries around that too, I think, um, because there's so much on the line. But at the same time, I think we maybe felt that when we started off with Project Rocket because we're obviously spending all of our time doing it, spending all of our time together, that it did feel like, oh, this is, this is a lot. You know, we're spending a lot of time with each other. If something goes wrong, this could really break. But I think it's only meant that we've built like the most respectful relationship. And yeah, it's 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 not a danger at all. It's only an opportunity. It's yeah, I yeah. love it. I recommend it. Someone said to us recently, I mean, people say to us all the time, actually, like, oh my God, like I could never go into business with my family. Like I'd be so mm. scared it's going to ruin the relationship. But like we say like for us, being sisters is number one. We would yeah. never let anything get in the way of that. We would especially like business you know Mm -hmm. or money or anything like that like at the end of the day if family is like what you really value then going into business together can't Mm. ruin that relationship because that's what you're always going to put first 100 percent. i think a lot of the time people ask um without the lived experience that you have like what's it like working with your sister and i kind of like wonder like Okay, well, what's it like working for another organization? Because I've never worked for another organization <laughs> yeah. either. What's, what it like what's it like having a conventional job? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely say that um, it comes with challenges. The biggest challenge, I think, for me being finding that balance between uh, complementing each other's skills and understanding that, like, I, to be candid, I'm massively introverted. Rose an extrovert, so there are lots of. I'm scared to make phone calls, so it would be easy for me every time we have to do something as simple as making a phone call in our business to be like, "That's your job." Oh, that would so, suck. Yeah, <laughs> it would suck. Um, understanding like where where to to let the other person do what they do well and also where to extend yourself or push mm-hmm. push yourself to grow and do better. I found, I found that a real challenge when you have such an intrinsic understanding of each other's abilities and wanting to grow her. I want to grow her strengths. I want to sh- shine a spotlight on them and at the same time know that I can't excuse my own uh, shortcomings and I need to find ways to improve as a result. So I see those as being challenges, when you that being a big challenge when you know someone so intimately and so personally mm. as well. I think we also hold each other accountable to that though as well. Mm. Like at the same time, I think it's brilliant that we've been able to like carve out our own paths, if you like, running Project Rocket. Like we have very, you know, very, very different roles and they're very complementary, but they're very different. What Mm. are your different roles? Mm. I guess at Project Rocket, we're a social enterprise. Um, And so when we were sort of carving out um, how we can actually take this organisation to scale and basically be a national organisation that serves schools all over Australia, we really realised that we needed to really um, make sure that we had really clear and distinct roles. And so we've actually divided our co-CEO role down the middle uh, and we have a CEO of social impact. So basically, um, Luce's role, do you want to explain your role? 
Right. So if, if in a social enterprise, you know, part, part of it's about running a sustainable business and the other part obviously is about creating social impact. So I quite consciously put on the impact hat, which means that I at all times throughout our growth want to make sure that we're growing with our mission front and centre a world where kindness and respect thrive over bullying, hate and prejudice to make sure that we grow in a way that is true to um, diversity and inclusion and access. So making sure that we continue to evolve and do better and basically make sure that we never feel done when it comes to creating an inclusive and equitable organization. Um, It means making sure that we do put young people at the center. So I work really closely with our Youth Brains Trust. We put together a, it's almost like a board, I'd say, of young people aged 13 to 20 who steer the direction of the organization. So they personally guide me on what Project Rocket should be doing next. And any new offerings are kind of designed and scoped and sculpted by them, which is pretty cool. Um, And I'm lucky I get to have such wonderful conversations them and they're charged with such a position of yeah genuine leadership within Mm. our organization um and basically holding all of our content evolving our yeah our workshop content training our training our presenters um and putting the tools in their hands so that they can steer the direction of a youth-led organization loose is a creative genius too might i just say that when we started project rocket um there was no like squarespace templates or anything loose read the book coding for dummies and coded our entire website it was all of the designs you know we've created um project rocket online a whole bunch of digital resources loose all the design is actually loose like she's a phenomenal artist um but you know so i guess loose drives our mission and our mission um, is our North Star. Like ultimately, that is our moral compass. But, you know, you can create something that's so impactful, but if you can't actually drive it forward and get it into schools, then it's in a complete waste. So my role is I'm CEO of innovation. So I work with the business side of things, driving um, our impact forward, basically. So work with different partnerships, strategic expansion, really looking for really powerful and innovative ways we can grow the movement um, all over Australia and also other side of Australia as well. And to toot Rosehorn for a second, um, that sounds like it could be quite like dry, like, you know, growing a business. It sounds like anyone could do it, but actually because we both started out with the same social desire driver to start an organization, she brings that, um, belief in fostering really genuine relationships and cultivating um, like-minded partnerships and connections to that. So it's still very much imbued with that underlying mission, which is kind of cool. So it's kind of cool watching her and empowering her and supporting her to, to scale in a way that is true to why she got started as well as why we got started, of course. It's kind of mm. cool. You girls are so freaking cute. I can't I, handle they it. They are so cute. Like we've never interviewed sisters before, but I love the way you each just gave your roles, but then you each gave a really nice piece about why the other one is so awesome at her role i was just thinking the exact same thing and like watching the two of you together like you have the best dynamic the other thing that i was thinking from listening to you guys talk that is really cool is like i've always thought of a social enterprise as a not-for-profit that wants to like you know be a little bit more like self self-sustainable but when you the way you guys describe it and the way you have these two aspects which is like the business side and the for good side um it's kind of like all businesses should have that. Mm. Like it's it's actually just a midway point between a business and a not-for-profit. Mm. And you know what? Like it's, it, you can't have, just like you can't have the social impact side without driving the business forward. In this day and age, we really can't have the business side without the social impact driving yeah. it forward as well. Yeah. 
I think um, not-for-profits these days have to think and act commercially and for-profit have to think and act for purpose. Like I think, um, yeah, it's almost people out there that are trying to understand social enterprise. It's like don't get bogged down in, in trying to understand it. It's just a business that does good. Yeah, uh, that's um, so and true. All business yeah. should. And like I think, you know, just true to that very first day when we decided on that instinct, teen instinct to be for-profit, um, was the best decision we made because it's meant that we've relied on having a robust business model till this day where schools pay for our workshops. That's not to say though as a social business there were plenty of other um, organisations, particularly global social media platforms out there that have a huge stake and a huge responsibility to be positively contributing to these issues. And so we're in a really awesome position to procure amazing partnerships with those guys um, to fund and to scale Project Rockets so that we can reach schools that can't afford to pay for it themselves. So mm. yeah, we get to be really creative like project rocket isn't just a do good organization we're really really proud to be a really um effective social enterprise both in impact and to be still standing and profitable and sustainable after 13 years and after i guess being started by two little kids that had to really work it out as they went yeah totally for us you know one of our um, guiding principles at project rocket is never perfect always striving and that's an ethos that underpins you know the way we work with schools the way we work with teachers the way we work with corporate partners partners in government and the way we treat each other and for me that's really important to understand that you know we're not perfect we're not done you know we, we can create social change in many different ways and within our starting within our organization and for us that's been really important as you know co-ceos we may be women in a in a male-dominated world of business but we're also cis women where we may be queer but we're also white um and understanding that you know to tackle an issue as complex as bullying as complex and dangerous as hate in this world and as multifaceted as prejudice and how as as you know, inborn and unconscious as, as it is that we need to be creating opportunities for people who are more diverse than us to have a voice on these issues and to have agency. And so that's why we see our role in doing good as a business, not just being about the core provision of service to schools, but also in the way that we create channels uh, to employment at Project Rocket, to leadership, to advocacy, to government, to have you know, people's voices and identities represented at every level of social change that we enact at Project Rocket. Like it applies to all businesses. Like for us, you know, where we were in the fashion industry and often people are like, oh, well, why don't you drop the price, move your, move your production over here and, and you could be like, you know, making millions or whatever. And it's just like, you know, so many people have been taking that path mm. for so long and we have to make decisions all the time that are like, yes, we're going to take a hit to profit. We could mm. be growing like crazy in this way or we could be, you know, getting the easy wins by targeting like this, these kinds of people. But it is about now like stopping and going, well, what impact do I want to have in the world? Mm. I don't just want to make a quick buck. I, I really, I think as millennials and Gen Z, we want to our, our legacy to be more than that, to be more than just about money and power. Yeah, and I actually want to connect that very idea back to your comment about having grown up around the age of 10, 11 and participating in bullying. Like if, if, you, if you can gain literacy about power early on and the way that you can use it for good or you can misuse it, um, then I think we're going to be building the kinds of citizens that will create the kind of businesses that will make these sound, robust, ethical decisions. Like I think that the tide really is changing when it comes to the way that people utilise their power and their agency in this world. You know, we see the rise of movements calling out people's abuse of power and I think that what's we are, we're left asking like what model of leadership it will follow will follow that wave of a new generation that is literate about 
yeah, we, we, we may not be, you know, the most powerful people in the world, but all of us have some degree of power and mm. it's about leveraging that for good. And I think like whether it's at school, whether it's in your relationship, whether it's in business, life, is it's really about making those decisions. Sometimes they're little decisions, or, you know, around like what impact am I going to have? But in life, what I've learned, and I think I really understood this when we started Project Rocket is as humans, we don't ever have a neutral impact. You can't ever be neutral in a situation when something arises, you're going to have a positive or a negative impact and doing nothing is actually having a negative impact. And Mm. when you start, I'm not usually into the binaries, but but when you start positioning positive versus negative, you start to realize that actually everything that we do, every interaction, big or small, is going to have an impact and we have an opportunity to have a positive or a negative one. Mm. I love the, the, you know, I feel like there's so much like doomsday talk about the world the state of the world now but I feel like talking to you guys I'm like we're all in safe hands we've got this the world's gonna be just fine yeah that's so true um so it's easy to have that belief when you work at Project Rocket and you get to work with young people each day you know I feel sometimes a sense of hopelessness being on Twitter and seeing you know enormous hate and just people being so vile and Mm -hmm. ideologies getting out of hand and but then like you walk into Project Rocket and you get to speak to presenters or you go and see a workshop you shadow a workshop and you hear these incredibly hopeful conversations being directed not by our presenters by young people sharing their ideas their literacy their insights their passions their visions and you can't help but work out walk out of there and be like okay how do we put these front and center because that's what's going to change the world totally well and on that note um of social media so you guys have a lot to do with facebook and twitter is that right yeah Yeah. we 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 a while back we decided that you know we know that a lot of bullying plays out online on social media rather than working against the social media platforms in which we post much of our lives why wouldn't we work together um and actually when over time as as the major social media platforms started to notice project rocket's work and see that it was truly youth driven uh started contacting us and wanting to team up so early on we ran a number of campaigns that were empowering like yeah diversity or literacy around you know, cultural diversity or creating connections across different communities because social media is a wonderful tool for that. And as time marched on, we started to look at how we could work, walk, work more closely and started teaming up by jumping on the advisory and safety boards for a number of these organisations. So uh, Ro and I sit on Facebook's Global Safety Advisory Board, which is an incredible opportunity to leverage uh, young people's experiences all over Australia to the people who can actually create policy change and change to the structure of these platforms to do better um, as well as you know and that's now led to a partnership with Facebook and Instagram as well which we can tell you much more about we also sit on Twitter's global trust and safety council which brings together representatives and organizations from all over the world which is so important because these issues don't exist in a vacuum they're entirely cultural and play out in such different and nuanced ways not just for different age groups but for different demographics as well so yeah really cool to be able to work with these communities and I think as well, like um, platforms really rising to the challenge. They're not platforms, I should say. They're actually people behind the screen. <laughs> and they're really the people that we work with in trust and safety are really like socially minded people that are injected into these companies because they really want to, yeah, use the opportunity to change the way that we actually culturally engage with social media. Um, but it's also really acknowledging, I guess, the shortcomings of the way that we use the digital world. So, for example, we have a partnership with Google to launch Project Rocket TV, which are like really bite-sized episodes that basically answer really curly questions from young people about stuff that if you typed into Google, you'd probably get a dodge answer. Or if you asked your teacher at school, they'd give you a really daggy answer or maybe um, 
they'd feel compromised. So something like, what do I do if my nude has been leaked? Um, and our presenters answer these questions really kind of sassy way. And so Google's really got behind that and YouTube's got behind that as a way of really making sure that um, young people are using these platforms to find really healthy content um, to answer some of those questions. Um, but yeah, I guess we really see an opportunity not only to work with, um, to help work with platforms to leverage our work here in Australia, but we actually really see an obligation now to be sharing young people's learnings from the top down. Our role on the Facebook and Instagram safety board, um, it's pretty cool to get to represent Australian voices on that board because this is a platform that has 2.75 billion people, a third of the world's population are using Facebook. That's bigger than any continent, country, culture. You know, the opportunity to create sweeping cultural change on the way that we treat each other online is enormous. And so getting to actually inject young people's views, their opinions on the platforms, their ideas, their complaints, their visions, um, and know that it is actually going somewhere to influence the way policies are created and products are created um, is pretty cool. And it's something that we definitely feel is our obligation more and more so as we kind of mature, if you like? So I, I mean, I know you're so wrapped up with, with these social media organizations, but are you positive about the future of social media? Because I think over the last kind of year or two, there's become this big conversation around social media really having a negative impact on, on mental health. And obviously, like, as young people come up, this is just like the way they interact how are you guys feeling about the future of it? Well, I wouldn't say from the get-go, I'd love to... I wouldn't say that I'm a fangirl of social media broadly and indiscriminately. I think that these major platforms need to be held accountable. I think they have a lot to, of work to do. And the people that we work with within the platforms are the first to acknowledge that. That's why they've chosen to work with us. So I think there's so much work to be done. I think that we need greater transparency um, and a greater kind of two-way conversation with, with the people who are making these huge, bold decisions about the way that our lives, lives play out online. So that's the first thing I'd want to say. But also, I'm really hopeful about the future of social media. Media. Um, I think that social media can be a really can create a really toxic presence when it comes to our mental health and it can be a real enabler of support and connection for those who are suffering um, and so I think that it's a neutral tool I don't see similarly I don't see cyberbullying as a, a failing of technology I see it as a failing of people and that's why at Project Rocket it's really important that we treat cyberbullying as a social problem and therefore come up with social solutions rather than just looking to the big platforms to fix the problem for us. And that attitude for me comes not from a place of wanting to let social media platforms off the hook. It's actually wanting us as human beings to have agency and if we're constantly looking to someone else to fix our problems or make us safe or take away the possible harm out there in the world then I don't think we're actually giving ourselves what we deserve which is the choice and the power and the might to come together and actually create really positive uh, experiences for each other so for me I think when we put technology in the hands of young people what we really see is a, a striving and a desire to, to reclaim a tool that has been cast as such a negative um, by by adults largely and by wider media and wanting to reclaim that and use that power as you put it before mm. for good and so for me that's really exciting but I think it does require like a lot of collaboration a lot of transparency a lot of genuine accountability as well um yeah and teamwork to do mm. that Amazing. so cool before we do wrap up I wanted to tell you both I don't know if you remember we met for the very first time years ago at Nexus in oh, Sydney yeah, yeah in Sydney, Sydney. Yeah. and you both spoke and the way you spoke, what you spoke about, but like you two just like as a force together, I was so completely inspired by it. And at the time oh. we didn't do much public speaking, 
But I called Jess and I was like, oh my God, I've seen these sisters speak. They are amazing. We need to somehow have a little bit of what they have. She was like, I wish I recorded it for you, but like they did this performance. Like it was like, I was so engaged. Like one, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that she was like, one would talk, then the other one would talk. They were cutting each other off in the best ways. And like, it was just Sounds kind of like you guys. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like that's where it started from. Like, so yeah, you really have inspired us So are you doing more storytelling and sharing? If you're yeah, completely. Um, we just signed oh, so on with a speaking is, agency now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we're really enjoying it. Um, yeah, and I guess like it's just like anything. Like when you started, it's absolutely freaking terrifying, and we mm. hated it in the beginning. But now that we've done it a bunch, it's like much less. I just think there's nothing better than that feeling, though, when you are shrinking a room from 200 to what feels like a conversation like like what you guys are doing really now through this podcast mm. i just don't you think it's the most exhilarating feeling to create connection on that level one it's amazing. Yeah. There's, there's actually a no better feeling that yeah. i have felt and, oh. and realizing that like it was something that we could learn to do because we weren't naturally like oh my god at school i would just die to get up and speak in front of five people oh no even at uni i remember like shaking and needing to pee my pants well <laughs> even like people often say they're like oh I, I heard you speak. How did you get so good at speaking or feel so comfortable? And it's like, well, we've presented to hundreds of thousands of students totally. over, training over 13 years. Yeah. Critical crowd as well. Too. Yeah. yeah. We've had to push and extend ourselves and drop the ego. Everything that you can imagine has gone wrong at some point. Um, but yeah, it's public speaking can be learned and it is a it very can. powerful tool. Yeah. yeah. And practice. Mm. It's all about the practice. Mm. Yeah. And probably if we hadn't learned public speaking, I wouldn't be a yoga teacher. That's because that's true. It makes it a lot harder. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do always wrap up on some quick fires. Mm. So we're going to shoot some at you. If you could go back in time and be at be any age again, what age would you be? I, you know, it's funny that you said that. I, I, I immediately thought three. I'll tell you why. Because I can't remember it. It's really frustrating that I don't have early childhood memories. And we were mm. talking about this the other day. You do. You do remember things very early on. I don't know whether it's because I always had a big sister and so I was distracted constantly or... But I'd love to know what it was like to be a young child. I don't think I have memories younger than like 11. Really? I was speaking with my friends about this the other day and we were saying how like often things that stand out in your memory from when you were younger were really significant. Mm. So I guess traumatic. Yeah, traumatic. Often traumatic. Like my first memory, I was three and the teacher told me off and I was in the bathroom crying in front of the mirror looking at myself. I know, like how sad is that? That's my first memory. My first memories of feeling like intense embarrassment and I reckon it's the first time I felt that feeling. Yeah, like the Mm. time... In grade four, when I read the word choir as choya, oh, and the oh teacher, that's traumatic. Mrs. I shouldn't say in case she's listening. No, no, I know who it is. <laughs> anyway, you know who it is. She like totally made fun of me in front of the class. But Aww. yeah, but I think um, there's a certain level of curiosity in me and that, that person that yearns to understand parts of myself that I don't get. That mm. maybe if I traveled back in time to as an early child, I might understand a bit more. I'm going to say a simple answer, 24, because then I could be a Project Rocket presenter. It was oh. the best time. It was so good. I learned more in the 12 years that I was running workshops for Project Rocket than I ever learned in the 12 years that I was attending school myself. Mm. So yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. Mm. And I love also that you describe yourself as an introvert, but then you were also, you know, a presenter and like people just wouldn't associate those two things. Well, I guess it's proof that public speaking can mm-hmm. be learnt, right? I think totally. when I was in school, I used to worry that if I got up and spoke in front of people, I'd 
spit on the front row and accidentally swear and my fly would be undone and I'd do the wrong thing and throughout my career running Project Rocket I have definitely <laughs> spat things. on the front row accidentally <laughs> sworn said the yeah, wrong thing those things almost make it better oh yeah. it's like a, it's like a tick list that yeah, once exactly. you've got them done you're like can I, can I say how much I love watching especially young introverts when they realize that Luce is introverted um, their mind open up and and just for them to understand that you know you you are the way you are introversion is a is a gift and you are the way you are in terms of public speaking because you've worked very hard to be that way and yeah it's really cool watching them go oh my god that's me like, I'm like uh, that I can be like that that's really cool, cool. Um, do you have a favorite book mm, yes um, my favorite book is Alice in Wonderland I love mm. that book I, I think it starts off as just and every any other day you know a girl who happens to see something odd it's a rabbit wearing a waistcoat who's late and she follows him without question she follows her curiosity dives down a rabbit hole into a world of the absurd and is never the same again and to me um I love the courage in being able to follow your curiosity and creativity and it for me it's a real metaphor um that actually enabled me to start Project Rocket that same kind of ethos Mm. I'm trying to think. I, I read a lot. I read a lot of like historical fiction. Um, but I actually think the first book that just popped into my head then just really randomly is Shantaram. Oh, Who hasn't yeah. read it? I've never just, read it. Oh, I haven't, but everyone when we were like backpacking Europe was reading yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. just, I, I think um, it's it's just full of adventure and full of spirit and it just transports you to another place and that's what reading does for me. It's my escapism. So I think something like that for me. Mm. Cool. Good ones. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Well, I have a superpower. Do you want to hear what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's getting out of social situations really quickly when everyone's trying to do the awkward goodbye that goes on for a really long time. There's too much chat. That's amazing. I'm good at like shutting that down and getting out of there. That's that's amazing. That's a great skill. My boyfriend could really do with some of that skill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess like, yeah, is it flying? Is it being able to swim underwater? Well, I can swim underwater. <laughs> I meant a great depth without, without any apparatus. Yeah, maybe let's go flight. Flying. Yeah. How cool would it be cool. to like, so just jump in the air, like take off like Superman? Yeah. Oh, I'm watching The, the Good Place at the moment and the way they fly. Oh, I'm just like, so I want to do that. Yeah. Good place. So Talk really about good. escapism, right? That is a good show. Oh, so I only good. started watching it last week oh. and I am just like, I know I missed the boat by I'm like so four years. I'm so happy for you. The new season's coming out next month. Oh, it's good. Um, and the last one, which I feel like is actually a quick buyer. What do you eat for dinner? Oh, what did you eat last vegetables. night? Um, well, oh, last night my girlfriend made homemade pizzas. And oh my God, your girlfriend's We ate Italian, at like 11 right? She's Italian. The dough. Yeah. She's Italian. Oh. I say that with, with my, my fingers pinched. Um, but yeah, she's a phenomenal cook. And um, yeah, we did eat at 11 because the dough had to rise in a particular way and it took a very long time, but it was delicious. I had what I have most nights, which was lentil, lentil soup. soup. Oh my goodness, you and your lentil soup. You still <laughs> yeah, I night. like lentil soup. It's, it's every night. Yeah, it's something Good about protein. the ritual of cutting up the vegetables when you lead such a busy we life. and so, so different. I cannot express it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that it's a meagre meal that I wouldn't serve to anyone else, but it's packed with nutrients. It is delicious. I actually make a, a version of it that I also feed to my dog, which is pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> I know you were cooking before. Yeah, I was left. making that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great okay amazing this was such a fabulous conversation i'm so 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 excited about it and i feel like we've spent our entire day with you so i can't thank you enough thank you you i feel wrapped in your care yeah definitely thank you thank you for everything you've created Mm. thank you guys 
Wow, wow, wow. What an incredible chat. I just, I really, I mean, I think you could hear it on the episode, but I love being around those two women. They are such incredible people. Their energy is completely contagious. And sitting there, I was just in absolute awe of the two of them and what they've created you know, imagining them at 18 sitting down and being like, wow, in 15 years or however many years it's been, you know, we're going to be sitting on these boards at Facebook and we're going to be really creating change. I just think that that is completely incredible and makes me feel like I want to get up and do things every single day. Also, their sisterly bond is like the cutest thing ever. Like they kept kind of like holding each other during things and like you could just really feel how caring and supportive of each other they are. Totally. So if you did like today's episode, we would just love for you to help us share it and get the word out. Uh, You can do this in a few ways. You can leave us a review um, on the podcast app. You can share it with your friends or if there's someone you really feel like needs to listen to the episode or you can share it on Instagram and also DM us and tell us what you thought. What's your experience been with bullying? Do you have a business that's doing good? We want to hear from you. Totally. Um, Next week on the podcast, so fun and in conversation with the two of us. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. Steph's going to be back from Byron, so we'll get to chat in person. Yeah, we will. I'm very in and out at the moment. I'm just flying in for these podcasts. And we hope you all have a great week. And we're going to see you next week for an in-com. Bye.